All right, time to record the episode. What movie are we talking about today? Oh, shit. Hang on. Hey, Jacob. Uh, did you re- did you remember to watch Birds of Prey for today's episode? No? Yeah, me neither. I want to, like, hop on a watch party and d- take care of that. All right, let me get a setup. HBO Max. Okay, there we go. All right. Oh. All right, waiting for Jacob to join. There we go. All right. All right, let's go. And I'll go into the other room so that, uh, you know, I'm not distracted by all the you know, recording equipment, because I've got a lot of expensive recording equipment in here. That would be very distracting. It's not like I only record everything on my laptop. Uh, All right. Well, good thing I have a second laptop for this watch party. All right. Noah, you there? Oh, hmm. Ah, he must be preparing for the next podcast. Well, uh, oh, looks like he hit the record button by mistake. Now I should probably stop the recording just so he doesn't run out of space on his, uh, or actually, hang on. Let me call up an old friend. I'll have you know you're interrupting a very important experiment. You better have a good reason, Noah. Uh, actually, this is Chives. Uh, oh. Well, uh, nice. I suppose I can put this on hold for the time being. Oh, I mean, I mean, it's not super urgent. I just figured, you know, um, uh, no, no, one was supposed to be recording a podcast at this time with Jacob, but uh, he appears to be uh, still preparing for it. Um, I figured mm. in the meantime, you know, maybe you and I could uh, do a little podcast of our own. Hmm. I don't know what would that be between us. Unfortunately, I have not had the opportunity to see any movies recently. Oh, they don't have to be recent movies. I mean, remember that... Remember that highly specific film club we used to be a part of? Where every month we would watch a movie somehow related to birds? Oh... I remember the club was falling apart when I joined. I think it was around that time that uh, it was just you and two other people. I don't remember their names anymore. Yeah. So you needed four people to maintain club status, apparently. The community center that was hosting it was apparently very strict on that rule. Yes, but... uh. 
you know, I, I feel like we, we watched a good amount of movies from that club still. So perhaps we could, you know, I mean, for crying out loud, there was a there was an episode of Noah and Jacob's podcast where they just spent the whole time talking about dog movies. So I'm sure we could fill a podcast talking about bird movies. And if not, we can think of something else to do in the meantime. Hmm. Thinking of Fez Oslo. I haven't seen him around recently. What was that? Who? Who haven't you seen around lately? Oh, Oslo. My pet owl. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you had a pet owl. How? When? When did this happen? Mm, it happened uh, a few years ago at this point. Uh, back on my fifty-first birthday. I, I suppose we haven't interacted much outside of the tournament for a while, so... That is true. Yes, about four years ago now, my... just so happened to find a baby uh, fish owl on, the, on my doorstep, basically. The poor thing did not seem to have a home, and whatever parental unit it had for itself abandoned it. Bit of a rantazilita, as I would say. I see. Well, yeah, I, su I suppose we should probably uh, get the discussion going. I mean, we've, uh, well, I'll be frank with you. I, I guess Noah left the recording on by mistake. So we've actually been recording since before you got in the call. Hmm. All I request is that we're... Actually, I have no reservations. I've been on Noah's airspace before, and I have not had any problems. Well, uh, any, anyway, I suppose... Uh, however, I only request that you be doing it on the best of equipment. I will not have any subpar work on, done on either side of our parts. Of course. I mean, Noah has all the best recording equipment in this room. It's not like he's just recording on a laptop or anything. Um, so, as the organizer for an entire tournament, that would be absurd if you only had a laptop. Yes, it would. Uh, but regardless, I suppose uh, we should, you know, get the discussion going. Um, yes. Well, uh, yeah, I suppose. I, I don't know. I mean, really, I don't listen. I don't have time to listen to all the episodes of... Uh, Noah's podcast, so I don't know how he usually intros these types of things, but uh, I think it's something similar. Actually, no, I know how he ends them, but I do not know how he starts them anymore. Regardless, uh, I, I, I don't see the need for any formalities at this point. We've already been rambling on for about five minutes at least. Honestly, we could just we we could just like edit in a proper intro after the fact but we'll, we'll worry about that later uh regardless um so um yes we for for those who are listening who do not know uh, my name is chives my i go by cure and while we do not um you know, we we are not as film literate as uh, Noah or even Jacob. Um, 
But or even Alex, uh, for that matter. But we do, we did used to uh, partake in a uh, fill, a very highly selective film club uh, known as the Bird Watch, um, where we would simply watch films that were somehow related to birds. Um, a lot of the time, it was just documentaries, but there were a couple of good ones in there. Yes, I quite um, enjoyed the animated kids movie from 2011 real ah yes uh a classic in its time uh of course so unfortunately it's a bit out of date and the message it shared did not reach any audience well as well if i'm going to be honest with you i don't remember the name of the type of birds they are if it was the blue macaw Yes, the blue macaws have gone extinct last I checked. Ah, yes, tragic. As has the company that originally developed the film, Blue Sky. Uh, after, you know, Disney acquired Fox, they, of course, uh, shut down the Blue Sky animation division, um, which um, Noah and Jacob actually uh, talked about in a previous episode of the podcast. Um but yes. uh it seems, know, that, seems that the mice have something against blue things yeah <laughs> it's it's interesting because they have announced that there will be a third rio movie um which kind of seems in a bit poor taste considering they got the they acquired the property from a studio they made extinct, and the subject of the film is also extinct. So... Well, that does not stop the corporate greed of America. Uh, of course. Uh, but regardless, it was a, you know, it was a fairly entertaining film in its time. Probably one of the most financially successful Blue Sky releases. I remember, it's, it's so interesting because it seemed like back when it came out, everyone was talking about it, but, you know... So it just kind of died out. Exactly. Like, you don't really hear it brought up in conversation these days. So um, it doesn't have the same staying power as something like Despicable Me or Megamind, which are both around the same time. And it's also... People probably know it more... More than the film itself, they are probably aware of the... Pixar film that its existence caused to be cancelled. Um, the the uh, in-development Pixar film Newt, uh, which was apparently going to have a very similar plot, but revolving around Newt's instead of Blue Macaws. Um, and because of these similarities, uh, Pixar ended up cancelling the film, which is strange because that never stopped either either Pixar or DreamWorks before, they were always copying each other back in the day. Mm, yeah. But now the, at least some of them have turned America's copyright system into a legal hellscape. So it's to be expected at this point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Pixar, um, we, we did occasionally watch short films for uh, the, the film club. Uh, those were very short meetings. Uh, well, but we had good discussion time. 
Uh, yeah, we, usually we, the colonel would get tea for us. And yeah, we actually sit and discuss about it. Yes, we we in two cases we spent a longer time talking about the film uh, than actually watching the film itself. Uh, that was the case for uh, the two Pixar short films we watched in the club, um, For the Birds and Piper, uh, both <clears throat> revolving around small birds. Um, Honestly, I just found, like, I just had a very good time watching the Piper one. I much prefer just cute if i'm going to be honest yeah yes it it was uh one of one of my personal favorite uh pixar shorts i believe it was originally shown in feeders along with the release of finding dory whereas for the birds was originally shown in theaters with the release of monsters inc i believe that sounds about right both, both films, uh, both short films being very entertaining for different reasons. Uh, for the Birds being a more uh, comedic short film. Um, so that was the only one. I love you, no, I did not let out even a chuckle there during that one. I'm a very oh. serious person. And any, any inclination you have to the contrary is just false information. Ah. Yes, I, I suppose you you are always the toughest critic of the movies we would watch. Um, but regardless, um, I I found it very entertaining. Um, but well, of course, uh, Piper, the animators clearly put their love and hard work into all making it the best they could possibly make it. So, for the birds was definitely a lot more fudge. <laughs> It's a shame oh, yeah. the same studio would eventually make Toy Story 3. Hmm. But this that's completely off topic. I, I agree. So, aside from that, if we're going to stay on the topic of animated for just a little, little bit longer here, I do remember one of the last films we saw together in the, in the club was the Angry Birds movie, which ah, technically yes. counts. Yes, I I don't even think that's technically about it. It literally has birds in the name and is yes. actually, and they're referring to actual birds, unlike some of the other bird-titled movies we'll get to later. Oh, yes. Unfortunately. Hmm. I just saw a lot of the, if I'm going to be quite honest, I saw a lot of right-wing propaganda in there. Uh, more, uh, more of the American side of things. Do, do tell, I don't entirely remember that there mm, uh, any political agenda with the Angry Birds movie. Please do tell. It's quite honestly, not really too much. It's just something I remember from it. Just the whole, like if I'm going to be honest, even though it did come out some something along what five, six years ago at this point. That is the one thing I remember from the movie. The fact that I remember that it had any sort of political inclination. It's more than I can say for the enjoyment we had during that movie. <laughs> because, in all fairness, 
This is Angry Birds. Just some cash grab mobile tie-in. That's although it's although for the time it do it did do fairly well for a film based on a video game. That was still during a time where um video game movies were often looked down upon, but that and its sequel actually got fairly good reviews. Uh for oh god, I got a sequel. Um that I'm said glad, I'm glad that said that been, um you know there there have been some more recent video game adaptation releases that have fared a bit better like Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog. And there's the Uncharted movie has done Rasavel. Um, well, well, it's um, doing rather well. I don't know. Uh, financially speaking, probably. I, I don't. I, I think it's gotten mixed reviews from critics. I have not seen it yet. Um, well, yeah, it seems to have a 6.7 on IMDb. Overall, 89% viewer satisfaction. Because we got to remember, well, well, a critical eye shows how good a movie is technically. The audience score is, is more indicative of how enjoyable a movie is, regardless of its imperfections. So it's not good to judge one without the other. Fair, fair enough. Um, um, uh, speaking of um, films that were a little more allegorical, one of my personal favorites um, that we watched in the uh, film club was Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Um, you know, um, it, it seems, you know, silly by today's standards of horror, but um, even now, I, I think it still holds up pretty well. Um, you know, it manages to take a, you know, a simple everyday creature and, you know, turn it horrifying. Um, mm, yes. the, the, the filmmaking techniques of Alfred Hitchcock, uh, do wonders for that movie. I, I, dare I say it might be my favorite Hitchcock film. Mm, I would have... I understand we are in that very specific club run by the camera. However, I, don't, I, I honestly expected you to just default and go for like the Bates Manor movie. I do not pay attention to enough of it to remember what that one is called. Yes. Um, uh, but of course, um, what one scene in particular that uh, what was very effective in that film, uh, going into further detail. Um, uh, there, there's a scene where the, the main um, female lead, uh, played by Tippi Hedren, um, is going to pick up this, uh, the young girl she has become acquainted with from school. Um, and um, as she is waiting outside, you can hear the children in the school singing this very eerie children's like nursery rhyme. Um, as well, if they were from Germany, so it would have been others unsettling on their tongue from it, regardless. Yes, as, as one, uh, as one by one, 
a flock of crows come and sit on the playground uh, that, I don't know the exact name for it, but that what I, I believe they they sit on one of those big, like, you know, that those playground uh, things that look like sort of a domed cage. And, um, um, not monkey bars, that's something yeah. different. Uh, regardless, uh, you know, um, it keeps cutting between the crows landing on the playground and Tippy Hedren's character sitting on the bench, completely oblivious to what's going on. And when she finally notices what is going on, it is completely covered in crows. And throughout the whole film, but especially here, there is no non-diegetic sound present in the film at all. There is no underscore, which is uh, very unique for a Hitchcock film because they tend to have very iconic musical scores. But the only music present in the film is these kids singing a cappella. Um, and well, since most people expect a, even a modicum of a soundtrack, the absence of one can do wonders for unsettling the mind. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Alfred Hitchcock, of course, definitely one of the greatest filmmakers ever to live. Um, he, you know, he, he's just made plenty of masterworks and uh of course the birds in my opinion is one of his best and you know again that you know the the kids listening to this may uh find it ridiculous that you know a movie about birds at, like attacking a town could not be very scary but it is it is in fact a, a genuinely terrifying film. It's it's very well done. Hitchcock was the master of suspense. He got that title for a reason. Unfortunately, when people hear that, I, I imagine they have the same reaction to hearing that Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is in fact a movie. Well, that <laughs> I wouldn't. I would not put that on the same level as Hitchcock by exactly. Any. I'm saying that people thinking about the birds just being a horror movie would just have the same idea. Like, oh, all you're telling me is that tomatoes could be scary. Is I'm trying to make a comparison. Yeah, fair enough. So, if I'm going to be quite honest, if I'm going to break tradition, or not tradition, break the set of got going here. Honestly, one of my favorite comedies to date. Is the just the, the amount of produce going and running people over. You can't differentiate the blood from the tomato juice. <laughs> yes. I I believe uh, am I am I correct in that uh George Clooney actually made his feature film debut in one of the Killer Tomatoes films? Mm. Honestly, this sounds like one of the opportunities for us to check IMDb, no? Um, Should be easy enough. I have managed to fix my computer system here. I was unfortunately forced to upgrade a bit. Although, spe speaking of horror, one uh, particular uh, film of a similar concept that didn't quite achieve the same effect uh 
but uh, was still enjoyable at moments uh, was um, Birdemic Shock and Terror. Oh, God, Birdemic. Apologies. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to ask. What was the actor's name again? Uh, George Clooney. George Clooney. George Clooney. Well, he wasn't in the original. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's look for might, Return of the the second or third one. Mm, um, he was in Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Yes, that that is that. Nineteen eighty-eight. Yes. Yes, I believe that was his first feature film. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, uh, it seems to be the second one. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I've not watched that one. I've only watched the original, as that's the only one I've been able to get my hands on. Gotcha. Your shitty movies that you make over West Side is unfortunately a, a bit more difficult for me to get my hands on these days, living on the outskirts of Siberia. Uh, well, well, indeed, the the Birdemic Shock and Terror were, was a quite uh, enjoyable one, uh, in my opinion. Mm, yes. Um, you know, that was, uh, you know, uh, the type of film that uh, is perfect for uh, Noah's Miserable Movie Monday series. It's a shame that he, act he actually attempted to watch it one year, but um, that was back mm. when we live streamed them and the stream uh, got taken down. Uh, Unfortunately, he should have expected that. It was a 2010 movie, huh? That doesn't feel like you he's get a good amount of time. He's viewed more recent films than that, but still. Well, it was I, I understand, the however, it's still a recent enough movie to where I'd have skepticism. Uh, co copyright's always inconsistent, especially with his miserable movie Monday series. Unfortunately, the, the mouse has made that, that the mouse has made that quite difficult. Because you because YouTube's copyright system is completely broken, that anyone can claim copyright on a video even if they do not own the rights to it. Uh, that's be that has become a very you know, consistent uh, problem that Noah has run into because I help keep track of his channel analytics and whatnot. Uh, and there's been numerous cases and thankfully most of them he has gotten successfully appealed, some of them not. But there's been multiple instances of someone who does not own the rights to a film he watches for Miserable Movie Monday claiming the video for copyright. Um, that just sounds like a bit of capitalistic greed, if I'm going to be quite honest with you. Yes. Just claim, uh, just claim anything that has the name you want and feel like you could make a bit of money on it. And by the time that they either deal with it or don't because they're too small to fight it, you've already claimed their healthy sum of cash from the corporate Susan Wajabi. And and Noah's not even making money off of YouTube is the thing. So like, however, if, YouTube itself is making money off of Noah's content. Yeah, or something I I don't know. Regardless, from what I from what I've read of the user agreements, your YouTube is allowed to run advertisements on his content, even though that he does not want to. Yeah. Regardless, I mean, 
Yeah, it's, it's a completely broken system. And if you want to support Noah's content, of course, you can, as we've been talking about Miserable Movie Monday, you can still vote for the Miserable Movie Oscars, of course. Um, yes, yes, the whole charade. Or, not charade, pride. Uh, something along those lines. I never really got with the whole purpose and getting all of those opinions together all at once. If you like the movie by yourself, you shouldn't let that influence other people's opinions. Uh, regardless, um, so... Um, yes, we are getting very off track. Yeah. So, yes, back, back one, of the, one of the things I saw recently, we managed to watch a documentary called The Secret Life of Pigeons. You know, I'll... I, I think at some point I was looking to watch The Secret Life of Pets with some of the kids at the orphanage nearby. However, I found that instead, so I decided to save it for later. And boy, oh boy, was it an interesting watch. Hmm. For instance, did you know that like pigeons are equipped with top-of-the-line security surveillance systems, rivaled only by the security cameras held at the Pentagon? And I should know, I have... I visited Ronald Reagan at least twice in my youth, but security footage so pristine that the small size of the uh, camera facings don't really even matter too much. There's enough zoom on it to go for however tall a building is in, is in the United States. So those are pretty tall in the cities. I don't really have a good sense of scale for them anymore. The hover projection systems are top of the line, very silent, very efficient, actually, with very low heat sinking. Actually gets it out to a, an average bird that actually exists, you know. Just, just to clarify, uh, this documentary you watched was detailing how pigeons are not real? Yes, they're government surveillance drones in America. I thought it was just common knowledge over there. Just want, just want to make sure that's yes. Okay. Well. Uh, you, anyway, um, we are saying that means that it's you're doubting me. No, 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 no. Um. Uh, regardless. Um. Another another animated film that I particularly enjoyed from um, our, our time in the Bird Watch uh, was um, it was a uh, you know what I viewed as an underrated uh, Disney film that being Chicken Little. Mm, John, oh no, the aliens are going to come and steal our sky. Whatever will we do, and just have. Well, it actually happened, you know. <laughs> that did, you heard nothing. No laughs for me. All right, then. Um, I, I just, you know, you know, I feel like that, that film gets a bad rap for being one of Disney's worst, but I actually found, found it thoroughly entertaining. Well, it gets the whole, con it gets the whole conspiracy juices flowing. As throughout the entire movie, now, give them hints that, yes, it is the real case. However, there's just a lot of doubt involved with everybody else but Chicken Little. 
Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't like a good provocative movie. Or that, that's, that, is that is not, the word to describe that movie. I that see. is not the word I'm meaning to say. Unfortunately, I, I must, I must uh, apologize. English is not my first language. Well, although we did, we did watch a, a, we did watch some provocative films from time to time in in the the Bird Watch. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, um, English English uh, robs us our languages in the alleyways and uh, rifles through our pockets for spare grammar and vocabulary. So let me try and find the word I'm actually meaning to say there. Uh, but on the subject of provocative movies, um. Uh, I found um, Black Swan to be a very compelling film. While not, while not about an actual bird, it is you know about you know this this young woman who has dream who is achieving her lifelong dream of being a great ballerina um, when she is cast in uh, the lead role of Swan Lake. Now based on her experience as a ballerina she is able to portray the white swan beautifully but struggles a bit with the more sinister sexual black swan uh part of the role um and goes to extreme lengths to be able to portray that role um you know, uh, she breaks down psychologically uh, throughout the film, uh, you know, seeing hallucinations throughout, even as she is performing on stage, hallucinates herself transforming into a literal black swan. Um, um, <clears throat> it is a very compelling psychological thriller. Um, and uh, Natalie Portman gives a wonderful performance in it. Mm, yes. I... Quite a rarity around, among her roles, unfortunately. Um, it, it's also interesting how part of the film can be viewed as semi-autobiographical of Natalie Portman's career, uh, because up until that point, she was known for playing these sweet, innocent roles, had never really had never really gotten the opportunity to play a role with much weight to it. Uh, you know, hadn't really um explored the darker side of her acting. Um, and this film allows her to tap into that. Uh, so it's very compelling in that respect as well. Yes. Uh, Another film that has a similar effect of feeling almost autobiographical of the uh, lead actor um, was Birdman. Oh yes, Birdman. So before we go on to Birdman, I would like to say <laughs> something that I un unfortunately did not think as a movie, even though we watched that closer to the Like we watched close Black Swan closer to the end of our tenure there. Yes. I more recently thought of the song Black Swan by TWRP featuring Dan Avedon. 
Yeah, but I, I've, I have not uh, given that uh, a listen, but I understand that you have become well acquainted with Dan Avedon. Mm, yes. Honestly, the, like a very sharp door lens of shit. Yes. Lucky to have him around. Keeps the. <laughs> at this point, he is very, he is imperative to keeping the uh, devils out of the place. And he, he and he's, you know, shown that he's quite capable in the tournament as well. Well, of course. How would he deal with the infestation if he wasn't capable? Um. But uh, anyway, back to Bird- uh, back to Birdman. Um. You know. Uh. A very technically great movie, and I rewatched it recently. It's it's the it really holds up. Uh, you know, it's you know it's short to look like it's all in one take, and it's done very masterfully in that. Um, and you know, once again, we have a film concept that almost feels like it was written specifically about the lead actor with Michael Keaton playing the lead role, um, playing a washed up actor who used to be known for playing a superhero um, and is trying to reinvent himself and his career um, and be taken seriously as an actor. Um, However, he's being held back by just... Uh, what was it again? By My memory is not the good these days. By the people he's working with, by his inner thoughts, telling him that he will never reach the same success he did as the character of Birdman. Um, you know, yes. it's and the the parallels to that and Michael Keaton's real life film career post Batman, it um, is you know hard to miss. Um, it. It actually makes you feel bad that he is returning to play Batman after having reinvented his career so successfully and now going back to that role he was trying so hard to separate himself from. A bit of a return to form is never a bad thing. So long as you keep it within your heart that you've changed from what you were, I I think it'll be fine. I, I am, you know... I am very skeptical about, um, you know, the DCEU's output uh, and upcoming slate for that. Well, well, oh, yes, unfortunately, um, I do not think that's a birds of praise. That's oh, any of the other like Harley Quinn movies or whatnot really hit too much of a stride, aside from the newest Suicide Squad. And also the best of the bunch out of most of what DC has put out recently. And well, I just the, can't imagine Batman with a gun, you know. Well, the just, best of the best of DC's output has been films that are not, you know, strictly are, are not strictly tied to the DCEU, like Joker and the Batman. I still um, need to watch the Batman. Oh, I, I ended up uh, actually going to see it along with Noah. It was it was very good. Um, mm, that's that's unfortunate. I heard that Alex was looking to see if Noah was going to watch it with him. 
Uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure Noah would be willing to see it again. He seemed to really enjoy it. Um, yes, because aside from the fact that he, he, like it, Alex should be prepared. It is like a three-hour movie. <laughs> well, I think that Alex is prepared to sit through three hours of darkness for the sake of actually watching a good movie. You know. <laughs> um. But yeah. Anyway. Um, On to our conversation, and not, yes. um, not whatever those young ones are doing. I, I feel like I, I've brought up a lot of, uh, you know, film examples in a row. Um, well, uh, you have. That is, that is more the, the product of your always the more interested members of the committee. As I was, I mainly just joined to help fill out the role within the community center. Uh, I suppose. Do you, do you remember any other particular films um, that we watched uh, in the club that uh, you, you know, have fond memories of? Uh, anything? If I'm going to be honest with you, the biggest problem is barely the, I took a rather large blow to the head a few years back. Oh. Memory is not as good as it used to be, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. That's... So I was able to keep my mind focused long enough to actually create a tool to help, you know, keep my thoughts in order. It's, it's why you see me with the visor on throughout the tournament. Yeah. Well, I I, su I suppose then we could uh, move on. Um, you know, I. How long have we been doing this for? Um, I haven't been paying too close attention to it. The time. Been, uh, recording for about forty minutes. Uh, yeah, I think we could probably get a couple of more out there. Yeah. Well, um, I I I don't have any more particular, um, you know, strong examples of. You know, but because let's be honest, we, you know, I, we, we ran out of like big bird related movies fairly quickly to the point where, again, we would just start watching movies that had bird in the name, like Lady Bird. We watch movies that had like one bird character, like Aladdin or Moana or Up or Rango. Um, I personally was a big fan of. Oh, come on. Uh, oh, could I forget about this? Happy Feet. That was a good movie. Ah, yes, yes. Honestly. Our, from, from that time period where for some reason everyone was making penguin-related movies. I think it was, I think it was about uh, the time the, much as the penguins came out, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yes. It was, Such a good documentary. March of the Penguins, Happy Feet, and Surf's Up all came around around that same time. And I think Madagascar was also um, around the same time as well, which while not primarily focused on the birds, the penguins were probably... The penguins were popular enough to get their own TV show. And which... their own movie later on. Um, well, yes. Um, I do remember going down to the orphanage to just watch... <laughs> do a weekly watch with the children of the with the penguins TV show at some point in my life. 
This was a good experience for the get the good. Um yes, and by, by the end by the end of the club we we ended up just watching like films directed by Brad Bird, like The Incredibles, Ratatouille, uh Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, The Iron Giant, all that. Um Unfortunately, I don't believe those count for the Topic of our conversation. Exactly. That that was that was at the point where the the club was running out of movies to watch. Uh, mm, the, why we... I mean, the colonel was trying his best. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, yeah, um, he was a good lad. I unfortunately I haven't kept up with him over the years. What happened to him? Uh, the colonel. I don't. I don't. I I don't know. I haven't. I haven't really spoken to him since. The, the club disbanded, so I wouldn't know. Mm. Well, hopefully we'll get to see him again. Yeah. I, I don't think the old codger would give up and die that easily, you know? <laughs> hey, the, the, the Smash Day Fight Live tournaments have led to a lot of reunions, so who knows, maybe he'll end up crossing our paths that... At way. some point, probably. Um... Oh, <laughs> I remember one time we watched the Planes movie because the colonel was gone one day and <laughs> we couldn't think of a good bird movie, so we just settled on Planes. That was oh. a good experience. Oh, man, that was... Oddly was... enough, a train wreck. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, um... I mean, hey, do, do we expect anything else from that kind of movie? There was it was going to be a tragedy following up cars. Don't you know? <laughs> oh man. I remember the one guy who names movies at Pixar. Wait, not Pixar. What what animation that, that studio was, Well well technically it it's complicated because the the cars movies were of course Pixar, but like Planes was in that weird camp where it was actually not Pixar. Disney just decided on their own to make that spin-off. Yeah, but oh. mostly, don't, do you remember uh, the person who names the movies at Pixar gets a bonus every time and, like a movie is successful, you know? He got 700,000 US dollars for naming the movie Cars. That's... You Man, if that's actually true, that is really sad. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I cannot verify the authenticity of that right now. Is that well? That was more so a random tidbit I heard from just reading, reading news articles and surfing around the web from time to time. Mm. It gets boring just doing experiments all day, you know. Yes. Um. Hey, you know, speaking of, um. Smash Day Fight Live. You know, we've been kind of on a break from uh, the Smash Day Fight Live, but you know, we've, you know, the the tournaments have brought in, you know, such a colorful cast of characters. Um, it'd be really fun to see a movie get made based on the, based on these characters. Um, and would be, yeah. crossed paths with. Uh, perhaps we could, you know, do a little bit of fan casting. I know 
um, you know, done their fair share of fan casting on the podcast before. Um, I do remember that, so wasn't it those things that we were specifically trying to prevent, you know, like over, like overtly storytelling on that level? Well, or at least I, I was, or at least I was doing that. I, I, I mean, this this is just a hypothetical. We're not actually going to make this move. God, we don't have the money for that. What, like, uh, I'd, uh, I'd like to see, I'd like you to see my uh, computer graphics, unfortunately. I do not have the time or money to bring you up to Siberia. Yeah. Um, However, I can it? assure you that I have done got state-of-the-art. I think I can finally start rivaling from my computer graphics alone, I can start rivaling the early 2000s. Well, it it would be, uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be fun just as a little experiment to, like, you know, select a few of the, you know, prominent players in the tournaments and, uh, you know, cast them with famous Hollywood actors. Um, um, of course, um, you know, um, just to, to set the groundwork, um, even though, well, let's be honest, we probably would not be the main characters of a film, um, but I think casting ourselves would be a good place to start. Uh, just to, that would be... Because the age, age is important uh, for, you know, a lot of these characters with, you know, relations and whatnot. Um, um, in my current state, I don't think I edged well. So, probably best to cast somebody a bit older than I am. Yes, you're you're what like sixty, seventy something. Fifty-five. Oh, I may or may not have. Uh, my parents let me drink a bit too much and. <laughs> Take a couple of cigarettes every now and then, every day. So, wow, you are. I I would not have guessed honestly that you were younger than me. I am actually quite a bit younger than me. In fact, I I'm sixty five. Well, I did. I did always. I did always just feel a bit. Like I was born in the wrong generation, you know? Definitely feel like your generation definitely fit a lot of what I had more in mind. Uh, regardless, um, you know, it, well, let's start with you. If you could have, if you could have any actor play you in a, in a film, who would it be? Hmm. No. Well... So something that is important is that, you know, um, it can be, well, let's just say there are some actors that can do different accents very well and some more like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Not. <laughs> um, so I, I think to, to do you justice, someone who could now, Unfortunately, honestly, I have always envisioned you as being played by Sean Connery, but he has sadly passed away. 
Um, that is unfortunate. As I always uh, thought he would be a great fit to play you. Um, both in that he has proven he can do a Russian accent very well. Uh, he is, you know, he's played very smart roles in the past. He actually played James Bond, of course. Of course, I uh, will not expect anything different from him. Does have the name for it. Uh, regard. <laughs> Regardless. Um, Seriousness. Are there any particular actors jumping out to you to portray you in a hypothetical movie? Hmm. Give me... I think... Lucas, I appear to be a bit less in into this than you are. Give me a, give me a little bit to decide for me. More so go on your end of things. I'm sure David Attenborough type like would do just fine for you yeah david david attenborough uh remind me what uh is the man on all the nature documentaries for the discovery channel you think you know that's it i I don't entirely know where you could have gotten that idea that you would be good to play me, but uh, you know what? It, 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 now that you mention it, it's, it does kind of work. Um, David Attenborough. Uh, yes. Um, well. I've been seriously not heard David Attenborough's voice. Well, it's kind of hard to not. I, I've heard his voice. I, I just don't, you know, see. I, 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 I don't see the similar. I don't hear the similarities. But you know, I mean, I suppose it could work. Um. Well, if we're going for more, like, like, I don't think that if we're going for a movie conventional around two hours, he wouldn't have to do a lot, you know. Um, regardless, um, with you, a good, a good pick to play you. Now, use the thing, we could, you know, flatter, you know, we could flatter you a little bit. We can take creative liberties uh, with this uh, because there are there are certain actors who you know are around the same age as you, but look pretty damn good for their age, if I do say so myself. Um, I'd I'd prefer that you did not slander my appearance. I wasn't. I was just saying. We we could cast a you know a, a good looking actor to play you if perhaps you, maybe a John Malkovich. That I'm not works too. Sure. Too. <laughs> I'm not too sure. And this one, you got to understand. On, honestly, John, John Malkovich could probably pull it out. The, there's some film where he's done a Russian accent. Um, I I haven't seen the film, but I'm sure it's a good accent. So it's 
I, I'm sure he's a very talented actor. I'm sure he did just fine with the Russian accent. Um, um, so, um, so the, the main people, of course, if I remember correctly, so we already gotten the important characters done for Jacob at some point, Noah and Alex being already cast in some other movies that they appear in for fan casting. You know, I I think depending on how we cast other characters in this, we may want to consider a bit of recasting in for for some parts because uh from from what I heard, apparently it, that that was cast for an actual film that hit uh Netflix called The Nelsoning, uh that apparently didn't do so well with critics. Um they so actually got it onto Netflix. I thought they were yes, talking about they were it. For, and apparently, um, if I remember correctly, critics specifically uh, criticized uh, the film for it being way too unrealistic that Nicolas Cage, Andrew Garfield, and John Oliver were supposed to be this, around the same age. Ah. Uh, I don't see how that could have been a problem. I don't know how old they are, so that would probably well, do things. Well, I think Andrew Garfield may be quite a bit younger than those other two. Um, at least. But we could just cast Toby Maguire instead. He's probably around to do things. <laughs> anyway. Um, but we can we can circle back to um that, especially because you know with this. Not only do we need Noah, who would likely be a main character, if not the main character, we also have to cast Pavlin and Blake Winchester. Um, now, you could go one route and cast them all as the same actor or cast them differently. And I think depending on where we go with some of these other roles, it might be well, we'll decide where we want to I don't feel like it would probably be a good idea to cast the twins as the same person. However, I do feel like Blake Winchester, being their father, should be different. Yeah, yes, that is certainly um, correct. Um, uh, regardless, I already know, uh, if I already have some ideas for um, some more minor characters. We can circle back to the main characters to see who would work well with what we've already got. Um, in particular, so um, with Noah's adoptive parents, Bluto and Stormy. Um, uh, Noah Don't has you mean Sky Spirit? Yes, but, you know, formerly known as Blue to the Monkey Man, depending on where we decide to set this film and when. Um, I suppose that both of them would have to exist. Exactly. So, um, apologies, now, it was before my time. Um, now, um, Noah has always been very adamant that if his father were to ever be cast in a film, that the, the only choice for the role is it was would be his father's favorite actor jack black that is going to cause a bit of conundrum how so no 
that it just adds an element of chaos that I don't think some movie would. Wait a second, this is Smasher Day Fight Live we're talking about. Carry on. I was going to say, like, a normal amount of chaos ensues. Yes, I, I, pers- I personally, you know, having having known Bluto and Stormy for many years, I I do think I do agree that Jack Black would be the perfect casting for Bluto. Now the question is, who would make a good love interest for Bluto being played by Jack Black? Who would make a good Stormy in this case? And of course, given you know Stormy's history in the tournament, it should also be someone who is who, you know, perhaps someone who has experience with action. Um, but also around around the same age as Jack Black. Um that's going to kind of be a hard ask if we're going to be quite honest with ourselves. Nobody comes on the tip of my tongue for that one. Um, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, um, you know, there are a couple different, um, routes we could go with that. Um, I actually think, let me see here. Um, Actresses in their 50s, because Jack Black is in, I believe, his mid-50s. Um, so I, I I do not have, you know, an extra, because we're recording on the screen, I don't have uh, an extra device to, um, you know, Google actors, but... Unfortunately, I'm someone who has access to that, and I have no real recollection of anybody who does good action. As, well, I keep to myself most of the time. Experiments take most of my time away from me. Uh, Well, you know, actually thinking back on it, um, there is another actress that uh, Stormy was quite fond of um, that could work in this role, being Sandra Bullock. Sandra. Known for, I mean, she has some experience with action, with uh, the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves. Um, she has, you know, um, particularly, um, Stormy is quite fond of her in, um, The Blind Side. Um, I think that could work. Um, possibly. Let's check other you know, actresses in their 30s looking at... Um, I thought we were going for 50s. 50s, rather, sorry. Um, um, yeah, there... You know, there are some other uh, actresses who have 
you know, experience with action or in around their 50s. If we want to, you know, not worry about uh, necessarily, you know, if we want to, you know, make the film a bit more diverse, Halle Berry is an option. Um, um, you know, there's, yeah. there's some good options here. Um, I do think, you know, we should, I, I, I think Sandra Bullock can pull it off. I, I think Sandra Bullock is the... That's, I do believe so, yeah. Um, why don't we move on to, well, Kostya, um, of course, is someone that you've worked very closely with. Um, um, and- yes, yes. <sighs> Kostya is, of course, a very, was a very important player in Smash Day Fight Live. Um, you know, without him, we may never have defeated the narrator. Yes, without him to guide the sword that I created. Yes, yes, give all the credit to him. Well, I mean... Though, unfortunately, that sword is now gone. And it was without my backups, unfortunately, that's lost forever now. Uh, regardless, um... Yes, yes. Back to thinking about the people to be this person. Yes. Uh, a very, you know, very heroic... Um, you know, fighting for his, you know, fight, fighting for his world, um, and to avenge it, um, definitely someone, I am not, I'm not sure how much age matters for this particular role. I mean, you, you, you knew Kostya a lot. Honestly, he was in the thirties, yeah. Thirties, yes. Um, and... You know, perhaps someone who, um, I think perhaps a good, good fit for it would be Shia LaBeouf, perhaps. Yeah. Sorry uh, if I'm throwing a name out of left no, field. No, no, no. I, I, I just... you, you know, that's, that, that is an interesting choice. I'm curious, I'm curious, uh, what, what uh, in particular um, draws you to Shia LaBeouf as a choice for the role of Kostya? Honestly, more so. If I'm going to be quite honest with myself, this is mainly influenced by the, by the fact that he does a good amount of like venture mysteries in, in action movies. However, the main main driving force being Shia LaBeouf, the musical number. I'm going to be quite honest. If I'm going to... It was such a... Oh, Gossie was such a rambunctious little soul that I very much could imagine him like hunting people for a sport within the within a woodland area. Okay. 
Well, have uh, you not seen that music video? No, no, no. I, I, I have. Who hasn't seen that video? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shia LaBeouf to play Costia. Uh now with that in mind, um, plus he's a he's a smart chap. Like they, he is Shia LaBeouf. I do personally see as a rather smart person. If going to be quite honest. Now with but, Shia LaBeouf in mind for. The role of Costia. Um, who do we think would play off Shia LaBeouf well to portray the role of Alex? I mean, they looked similar, but what was it? Was it really that much of a similarity? Well, it's just that they—they, they, you know, the two of them. You know, before Costia learned the truth, the two of them had. A sort of rivalry, and and have you know you know worked together at a point, um, back when Costia went under the guise of Prekidech Ponude. Mm, yeah. Yes. So mm. you know, having someone who can work well, possibly butt heads with Shia LaBeouf in in the in the film would be good. Um, and likewise, while we're thinking of Alex, also thinking of someone to portray his older brother, Aaron, um, because yes, Aaron also yes. had its fair share of, you know, interactions with, uh, Kostya. So, uh, casting two actors who can both play, play well off of each other and off of Shia LaBeouf. Um... And... I'm going to be quite honest with you. I do feel like keeping them around the same age is probably going to be important. Yeah. Yeah. You casting, you know, actors in around around their twenties. Well, Shia LaBeouf is thirty-six. Ah. So 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 aging up, Alex and Aaron a bit. I see. Well, but, I don't. I do not believe that Alex himself is quite old at this point. I believe he is getting close to his twenty-second birthday. However, the narrator was definitely a bit older, and likewise, his brother Aaron was about two years older than that. So, very possibly, we could go for in the thirties. All right. Um. Well, any. Right. So actors in their thirties, um, would, you know, play well off of each other. Looking at, um, sorry, I'm looking in a book to <laughs> look. This this book I have I did I did mention that I didn't have any electronic devices but I had some I have a uh, book state of the art equipment but you can't afford a second monitor. Well, you know, um, I think I think he took his second monitor into the other room to watch uh, the the film that he's. That's a pray. How long is the runtime on that one, by the way? Um, hang on, let me check on him. <laughs> Noah. Yeah. How how much longer do you have in your movie? Just out of curiosity. Uh, 
about 40 minutes. Okay, just wondering. What are you doing in the recording bit? Don't worry about it. Um, are you doing this against its knowledge? Um, well, I, I mean, I never told him that he left the recording on. He, I think he just did that by mistake. Um, uh, regardless, uh, so for Aaron, I think it is important to have an actor who can sort of play that very cocky, um, sort of very you know, self. So in other words, we cast a comedian or something, yeah? Cast what? A comedian as well. An actor and comedian would probably be a good idea for a very confident person. I'm not saying a specific person, I'm saying more profession-wise. Yes, that could could work. Let me look at some... uh, you know, I don't, I don't love this idea, but, um, uh, Pete Davidson of, Pete Davidson. of Saturday Night Live and also, uh, a brief appearance in, you know, a film you mentioned earlier, The Suicide Squad, uh, he, in which he was the first one to die. Oh, that Pete Davidson. Yes, I do. I do. Um, and with Shia LaBeouf also appearing on Saturday Night Live, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he's hosted. Yeah. Um, Pete Davidson being uh, 28, so a little younger, but could still work. Um, um, if we're going for more comedian, if I'm. If I'm going to go in that direction, uh, the first candidate I'm seeing here is that actually it as well looks like him a little bit would probably be Josh Peck. For, yeah, for playing Aaron? I say so too, honestly. Um Yeah, I, I suppose that could that could definitely work. You know, Josh Peck has, you know. He seems to be having a bit of a resurgence, you know. Um, he uh, played a uh, prominent role in the first season of How I Met Your Father on Hulu, which was entertaining. Not not as good as the original How I Met Your Mother, but still. However, still it wasn't going to live um, up to all the hype. Let's and also, he's um, set to appear in the second season of the iCarly revival, uh, which should be exciting. Um, so... Yeah, I I honestly I think I I see Josh Peck as more of an Alex than a Aaron. Uh, the narrator if we're going for the ones in their their thirties. However, we could we could get rid of the rid of the beard on to make him get a bit of a baby face, you know. Um do do well, since, since Alex and the narrator had a lot of striking similarities, do we want to cast him as both, perchance? Well, that was uh, what I was saying. Remove the, like, remove the beard for the scenes where he's Alex and give it a bit of makeup, you know? 
You can definitely look at least 10 years younger with the amount that Hollywood puts into their makeup production. Yes. Uh, well, yes, I, I actually do like uh, that, that casting um, a lot. Now, uh, keeping in mind uh, someone just a bit older or around the same age to play Aaron. Now I am God thinking- damn it. I'm, I'm looking just a bit older, technically. If you, you mentioned him earlier, but technically Andrew Garfield fits that age range and general look as well. Ah, uh, it would it would definitely be a different role for Andrew Garfield to play. He's you know not old. Oh wait, if we want to go comedian. Uh, I know Noah kind of liked the idea of this person playing him, perchance, but maybe not in this particular setting would that be fitting. But he would play a good Aaron, now that I think about it, uh, that being Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Uh, you know, comedian. The sitting pianist, if I remember correctly. Yes, he is a bit younger than Josh Peck, but we could make that work. Um, he, you know, he, he can certainly play sort of snarky. That's a lot of his, you know, comedy. Um, Comedic personality. I definitely uh, can see that, yes. So, um... But what are the chances he just blows us off entirely? That seems very good character for him. Yeah, I, 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 I think I again. This is all theoretical. There's no way we're actually getting the money and people together to make this happen. Again, my early two thousand CGI can work wonders for recreating faces. Just look at the Call of Duty franchise from the early two thousand fives. You're on, saying you want to recreate <laughs> like this is using CGI. Oh, come on. It's the best chance we got to actually making this happen, you know. Then why are you worried about makeup if you can just CGI them to be younger? <laughs> well, if, uh, I'm going in the spirit of what you're planning, you know, like a theoretical actual film. But... So, so, okay, so we've got... So, are, are we going with Bill Burnham for... I do believe so. That could work, yes. Uh, and Josh Peck for Alex. I, I like that casting. Um, now, uh, move on to, well, uh, probably a good next one. I'd have to say... Those heavily involved in the Minora's mask part of things. Well, we've got the... Or... I mean, that depends on what story we're telling with the film, but we should, you know, obviously... If we're doing, if we're doing the latest season... Well, the... any story would require Noah Pavlin and, you know, Blake to an extent. Noah Pavlin, and uh, However, the narrator and Alex were really on mostly important in season three. 
Yes. Well, I mean, Alex has been relevant since the beginning. That's up to debate at this point. So many times when we could have been talking to the narrator instead. Fair enough. Um, Which, if I'm going to be honest with you, I was talking with uh, Clarice about this recently. There's a possibility that the narrator was what she called a miserable movie maker. Oh, yeah. And... Yes, I've heard... I've heard about these miserable movie makers. Uh, I do, you know, I think there's still a lot of mystery surrounding them, but... However, if that was just a taste of what they're capable of, don't you think that Noah should just be, you know, a little bit more careful on what he's watching for the miserable movie Mondays? He's at 99 of them, isn't he? It's all films that he's watched before that he's doing this season. I understand, however, if one of them is capable of destroying our entire universe just because he doesn't feel like it has value, I hazard to think what a litany of them could do. Uh, Regardless, um... As far as casting Noah and Pavlin. I'm going to go for actors in their 20s, yeah? Yes, I think, relatively speaking, um, I did... One idea has occurred to me if, if we want to cast... If we want to cast someone different for between between the two, um, for Noah and Pavlin, um, because it might be interesting to it, it, it might benefit us to have two two characters that are playing off of each other in the film, um. Two actors that are like playing off of each other rather than an actor who is playing off of only himself. Um, and with yes. the, I and I think one direction we could have the best of both worlds is in casting twin brothers, Nat and Alex. Well, or actually, not twins quite, they are actually, um, just a couple like a month apart actually um um but um nat and alex wolf um of former naked brothers band fame particularly i see nat as noah and alex as pavlin uh my reasoning for this being that nat has played roles in more lighter fare, um, you know, as well, lighter fare as in like The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns, like those jo- John Green uh, stories, um, has, uh, has appeared in some comedies since his time in the Naked Brothers Band um, and these more dramatic pieces um, with... 
uh, you know, Alex Wolf also appearing in some comedies such as Jumanji, uh, but also has appeared in some more um, horror-esque films, like it, probably his most well-known performance being in Hereditary, um, also having appeared in My Friend Dahmer, Old... Um, so I think that could be a, a good direction to go with these two. I'm going to have to take a word on this one. I do not really go for pop stars in my mind. I do not really like Well, they, they've they certainly, they, I would say both of them have definitely broken away from that pop, from that Nickelodeon pop star image. Um, Which is true, however. And both have... Uh, it's more so a fact of I don't really know these two too well. Fair enough. So I'm going to have to go with your judgment on this one. Fair enough. Um, now... For Blake Winchester. Blake. Uh, definitely would want, you know, an actor in, like, late 40s or early 50s, I would say. Um, let's you know, let's go for 40s, as... We've looked at, yes. we have looked at 50s before, and I feel like it'd probably be a good idea to look at 40s instead of... But late 40s, as the, the Wolf brothers are 27. Which is fair enough. I'm just... So, I just want to get a different search in there. Oh, God, I, you know, I just looked at this. I hate how perfect this casting is. Mm. Oh no, this is perfect casting and I kind of hate it because neither Noah and I are particularly fond of this actor but he could make a very good Blake Winchester that being Jared Leto Jared Leto Um, You probably Mm. know him for the original Suicide Squad playing Joker Um Hmm uh, he's also recently appeared in House. In all fairness, if we cast him as Blake Winchester, he'd die a lot. That's you know what I've come around to the idea, <laughs> and he's just is kind of in the perfect range there. Um, yeah, so time to kill off the actor which you hate a lot. Yes. Uh, well, when you say it like that, it sounds uh, wrong. Um. <laughs> This is exactly what you're planning, no? Um, now, with the idea of Miss Eerie. Now, for copyright reasons, we wouldn't be able to, you know, use her true identity as Clary Starling, as that is, you know, a copyrighted uh, property of, um, you know, whoever owns the rights to Silence of the Lambs at this point. I don't know. Um, but yeah. um, we could still have her play a pivotal role and also, um, you know, working well off of Alex Wolf, maybe someone who, you know, someone who has a wide acting range and can actually do a wide variety of different voices, perhaps. And I think so I... perhaps a voice actors. Well, I actually have... And I, I mean, we could go that direction, but um, if we're thinking of someone around the same age as Pavlin, um, 
Uh, I think someone who might work well in this role is Florence Pugh. Uh, age 26, um, she has had quite the career. She, in 2019, she starred in Fighting With My Family, Midsummer, and Little Women. Um, Fighting With My Family being a, a wrestler biopic, Midsummer being a horror film, much uh, actually from the same director as Hereditary, which uh, Alex Wolf starred in. Um, and, um, you know, Little Women being, you know, a period drama. Uh, and she is also, you, you may recognize her, um, perhaps as having played, uh, Yelena in Black Widow and subsequently Hawkeye. You're saying words that mean nothing to me. Well... I mean, what is Black Widow like the spider? Wait, are you not familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh, that doesn't the sound like the character is, is Russian, so I figured you might, you know, have an interest in that. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I've only really paid attention to detective comics. I don't know anything about their competitors. I see. Well, um, un unless you have a particular idea for Miss Erie, I think Florence Pugh would actually fit in the I, well. I can concur, yes. Um, uh, now... Um... In in the vein of voice actors, though, um, I think we should have chicken ass and bacon names cast. Um, and for for them, they we could, you know, certainly go more in the direction of like professional voice actors. Um, given yes, that, I do believe so as well. It would probably be a bit more efficient because you know some more animals. Yes, these, these characters would likely be, you know, uh, animated to an extent. Um, For going... Hold on a second time. Thinking of... It would probably be a good idea to go for D. Bradley Baker for Chicken Ass. Oh, yes. I, I think he could do very well in that role. He's done a lot of weird voiced characters in the past so chicken ass having kind of more of a whack voice as the kids would call it would uh, probably fit well for d bradley baker's repertoire uh and uh for bacon names uh you know with bacon names being the more level-headed one of the duo uh chicken ass being sort of at, at this point has kind of become a bit of a wild card um which i think d, d bradley baker will fit well with um someone who is maybe more reserved calm natured for um for bacon names um mm. at um, 
an actor that actually uh, comes to mind who's known for sort of a signature deep voice um, is um, Keith David. He's done some live action work, but also has done uh, a bit of voice acting. He voiced uh, Goliath in the Disney cartoon Gargoyles. Mm. Um, the cat in Coraline, Dr. Facilier in Disney's Princess and the Frog. I think perhaps a good idea, aside from that, would, if we're going for somebody who can do both voice acting and live action, maybe Lance Reddick would be a good option as well. Lance Reddick, that does not sound familiar to me. Well, uh, well, specifically, I mean, try and find the correct answer. He is for more um, for more voice acting performances. He's been in a good amount of uh, video games, such as uh, he was in the Castlevania TV show. Uh, he was in uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which was at least good. It was just overshadowed. Uh, he was in Destiny 2 as one of the main characters. He also has experience with motion capture from the looks of it, which we could utilize. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Uh, I, which, I'm, 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 I'm out of it here. I'm trying. I know he was in, like, he's also in uh, Goodama. He was in Law and Order and CSI as well. Which yeah, I I I mean, hey, I I think that that could work. Payday too, apparently. Yes. Are, um, I'm totally not just looking at the <laughs> IMDb IMD, IMDb page for this. All right, now in the vein of, I think another one to cast would be, um, you know, another villainous role uh, being Dr. Watch. So another one's actresses in their 70s, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, I, I think. I've gotten a good look at them. They do not appear to be in good form, <laughs> at the very least. So I, I'd have to assume at least 70 years old. Yeah, yes, uh, yes, that, I think that would fit. I mean, yeah, I don't exactly know her age, but someone around that age would likely work. Um, ooh, right off the bat, hmm. Right off the bat, a good option might be Kathy Bates. Um, who uh, is known for her Oscar-winning performance uh, as the villain of the um, the Stephen King horror adaptation *Misery*, in which she plays a crazed fan of a novelist uh, and ends up, you know, taking care of him in her home while he's recovering from, you know, an injured leg. Um, but, uh, you know, is shown to be more and more psychotic as the film progresses. 
Well, um, but I don't think we could get more of a perfect allegory to that character. I think Kathy Bates would make a great uh, Doctor Watch indeed. Um. Are there any other particular characters that uh, we uh, might want to uh, cast just for fun? Just for fun. Uh, I think Skelly gets an honorable mention here. He did Scully. good another, work in the last. Another one. character that would be, of course, uh, probably good for a voice actor. Um. I well, mm. there are two. There are two directions we could go with this. Uh, someone who is known for very transformative voice and motion capture roles, being Andy Circus, or uh, if we want, you know, given that uh, Scully um, is a bit of a comedian himself, uh, we could go with you know, a comedian who also has some experience with voiceover work and is good with some physical comedy as well, if we want to do motion capture in that regard too. Um, and with that, I could imagine either John Mulaney or Jim Carrey. Unfortunately, the stupid option that came immediately to mind was probably, prob like, definitely stupid idea would be Gilbert Gottfried as well. However, I do like John, uh, Jim Carrey a bit better. Yes, I, I, I think hear, Jim hear the name. make a, a good scully. Um. <laughs> That was, that was, wow, that was a very good impression of Scully. I'm impressed. No, he's just in the room. Oh. Yes. This one honestly needs a lot of help with his skeleton nowadays. So I'm here quite often. At age 55? That's, that's a shame. I told you I wasn't in a good way. Fair enough. And besides, I've had a good opportunity to look after Oslo as well. Oh, yes, the owl. Uh, how's he doing? His skeleton is in perfect help. Health, thanks to the wondrous help of Skelly. <laughs> um. Regardless, I'd... I'll, I'll be over for the regular checkup in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes around that time. Well, yes, I'll be in the usual waiting room. Be sure to have all your paperwork in order. We don't want you to break a leg on that one. Uh, regardless, um... Oh, I thought you two worked together. I thought you would have had a better idea of what he did. I mean, you know, we, we've been on a break, considering there hasn't been a tournament in a while. Um, regardless, um, looking at other um, 
other options uh, for characters we could um, cast. Um, I, are you eating something? Sorry, no, I'm just, apparently a package arrived. And <laughs> I've, I've forgotten my microphone was good enough to pick that up. Better enough. Um, another, um, another, um, pair of characters I, I think would, uh, be, um, nice to cast given their, uh, prominence, um, particularly for your team, uh, being the big sniff and his daughter, Jennifer. Um, oh, I if we're going to cast the big sniff, we should also cast business casual, yeah? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Um, now, of course, the the most important thing to keep in mind with the big sniff is, of course, his iconic nose. Um, and uh, I can't think of a better actor with a um, very distinct nose than Adrian Brody. Um, you know, an Oscar-winning actor, around 48 years old, uh, known for uh, regularly working with um, Wes Anderson, um, re most recently in his latest release, The French Dispatch, uh, mm -hmm. winning an Oscar for a film, The Pianist. Um, I think that could work, yeah. And uh, likewise for his daughter, Jennifer, um, perfect to play sort of this, um, this, you know, um, spunky, rebellious, redheaded character, and of course, have her be, you know, fairly young, uh, being Sadie Sink, who is known primarily for Stranger Things, as well as uh, having a lead role in uh, the second film in Netflix's Fear Street trilogy that came out last year. Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, that's another one I'm unfamiliar with, so I'm going to have to take your word on it again. Uh, I, I'd recommend it. Honestly, the, the first two at least are very entertaining, uh, you know, slasher films that pay homage to older slasher films. Uh, the third one is not as good. Uh, kind of gets into some weird, uh, you know, political allegory that I don't entirely agree with. Um, we don't have to get into that. Uh, regardless, as far as casting... Uh, Honestly, I don't... If I'm going to just take a look at things and for a similarly aged actors, uh, only a six year difference. Whenever I look at business casual, I think, gosh, wouldn't that be a good role for Chris Kratt? Chris Kratt? Chris Pratt. There we go. You think Chris... <laughs> Come on. He's, he's a very good actor. Yeah? He's done a lot of good work. I've very much enjoyed him in Jurassic World. I'm sorry, I just finished my movie. You're really going to end this episode? And by the way, I did notice that I hit record. 
I just decided to let you guys run with it just to see what you guys do. You're really going to end this episode on casting Chris Pratt as business casual? Really? Yes, I do believe that's a very apt decision on my part. Okay. Sure. Um, no, come on. You may not be able to see it with your disorganization in front of you, given the fact that apparently you forgot to watch the movie you were going to watch for the podcast. Yeah? Hey, you want to know the craziest thing? Right Mm. at the end of the movie, I just had the realization, I've already seen this movie. I even made a video on this movie. I don't know how I forgot that. And Uh, also, like, definitely, like three years ahead of where we're currently at in our film watching thing. Um, so like, yeah, I don't know. Also, also, also Jake, Jacob was here, but he kind of conked out, so. Mm. Well, did you Do you really not like, like Chris Pratt, I take it then? Did you at least enjoy the movie? Yeah, I, I mean, it's Again, I made a video on it, so there's that. I suppose we'll have to go to your channel and look at that one to get your opinions on it before you put up the podcast, Jacob. Um, Regardless, I I suppose we should probably uh, end things off, given that he's finished this movie. Um, Oh, yes, yes. I've got... Uh, physical to get to, and oh, there you are, Oslo. Ah, looks like you're going to need a physical as well today. Get the shit out of the uh, rival owls, I take it. Come on, let's get you sorted out here. Well, best best of luck to you, best wishes to you on that. Hopefully, you know, nothing bad comes out of that. Um... But uh, regardless, um, you know, this, this was a fun change of pace for me. I, you know, I've, I, I, I've only listened to a couple episodes of the podcast, but I've always thought it would be nice to, you know, give it a shot for myself. So uh, it was nice to finally have that opportunity. And I couldn't imagine someone better to co-host with me than uh, you, Q. You do. Uh, unfortunately, it seems that Q has left the room. Oh, hello, Alex. This is more so the automated response system, AL.X. Oh, what? Did Alex did is it? not in Siberia. He is in Minnesota, though the temperature difference is quite fast currently. I I didn't realize Q had an Alex robot. Not a robot, an AI designed to answer questions. Oh, my my bad. Well, um, did you not hear him? Believe. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I, I guess while we're 
here I I could ask one question, you know, that there was a video that went up on Noah's channel a couple of days ago that um, had some sort of secret message. Any idea what that might have been trying to say? The message is contained within the video. Yes, I, I understand that, but whatever. Maybe you're not advanced enough to be able to decode that. Um, the AL.x prototype software is on beta 0.7.3. Fair enough. I just, you know, thought that... Uh, you know, maybe with you being an AI, you might have been able to um, decode that sort of thing, but I guess not. Um, I'm just, you know, I, you know, got that cryptic message in that weird code. It almost looks like each letter is represented by a cartoon character, weirdly. Um, I don't understand it. Um, I've tried decoding it, but it doesn't. I can't seem to find any answers for it. Um, but uh, possible answer. Send it over to the laboratory. It's preferably in USB form. No, I will postage should be comped by. Uh, someone. Well, Hopefully. I will. Well, I'll I'll get that sent over as soon as I can. Um, regardless, um, that is about it for um today. Um, that, well, that's gonna be it for uh this episode of the podcast. Uh, once again, thank you all have, for listening. I suppose. Um, well, we have removed the lights and removed the camera. And However, it's time for action. I don't think that's how he ends these, but that's, you know what, good enough. <laughs>